Well, good morning, everybody. It is a joy to be here with you this morning. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, that's where we'll be reading today. My name is Malachi Cole. I am one of the church planting residents in the Well Network, and will soon be planting Banner Church in Jacksonville, Alabama, which we are pumped about. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I am the husband to Liz. I am the dad to Jack. And coming real soon, little Leo. My wife is in the back. She's saying, real soon. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. Awesome. But seriously, it is great to be here with you this morning. Um, Last week, I was was preaching at Church of the Oaks in Tuscaloosa, and I told this uh, to them as well. But each week on Tuesdays, all of the churches get together on a Zoom call, and we just kind of check in on one another. And each and every Tuesday, we leave encouraged by what the Lord is doing throughout the network. Man, just look at the Lord's faithfulness for the Well Church Huntsville. Look at what all has happened. Look at, look at how many people have come to know Jesus. Look at how many people have been obedient and baptized and how many disciples have been made. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? That's awesome. We can celebrate a little bit better than that for those very, very big things, okay? Those are huge things. The Lord has been so faithful, amen? Man, it's the faithfulness of our God. It's the faithfulness of your pastor and the staff. And it's your faithfulness as the people of this church to see the glory of the Lord shine through. All right, I'm done. Anyway, kudos to you guys. It's awesome. Keep up the good work and let's continue to change the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, the text that we're going to be going over is a beautiful narrative, but it's even more applicable for our our lives today. We're going to jump into this text When Jesus called his first disciples, we're going to look at what it looks like to be called by Jesus. So if we're to live this life as a living sacrifice, just as Paul calls us to in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look and see what that looks like. What does it look like to be living in obedience to exactly what he's calling us to do? Seeking to be more like him. And this morning in our passage, we're going to see one of the most popular Verses in all of Scripture, being fishers of men. So let's dive into the Word this morning, and let's hear what the Lord is going to teach us. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately, they left their boat and they followed, and their father, and they followed him. I want to give you just a little bit of context before we dive into our passage and we just kind of pick this apart. So, Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry at this point. So in the chapter just before, he was being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan 
River. It's this beautiful moment. See, for the majority of his life, for 30 years, Jesus was, was raised in the trade of his earthly father as a carpenter. And just now, he's, he's going and he's stepping out in obedience. He's being baptized by John the Baptist. This beautiful moment where he's stepping out into the water. John the Baptist is tripping out because this is the Messiah, right? He knows exactly who he's about to do this to, right? And then after he is baptized, this beautiful moment where the Spirit descends like a dove and rests upon Jesus. And then the Lord speaks, this is my beloved Son who I am well pleased. This beautiful, this this encouraging in this most glorious moment. And then it's immediately followed up with Satan taking him to the pinnacle of the temple and tempting him to jump off to show his power. And Jesus refuses. So Satan takes him again. He takes him to these mountains. He looks. He says, all of these kingdoms can be yours if you just bow down to me. And Jesus refuses. He's, he's being tempted by the devil himself, something that we will never really understand. And he's being tempted with kingdoms and kingdoms. Right after this glorious moment, this most encouraging moment, right of his baptism is followed up by the temptation from Satan himself. And right after that, He starts his earthly ministry where he's walking the streets and saying, repent for the kingdom of God is here. And he's speaking of himself. And that leads us right up to this moment where he's starting to call his first disciples. We see in verse 18 to 19, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right off the bat, we see the Lord is walking down the shores of this small Galilean town. And Peter and Andrew were there. Now, this town was called Capernaum. Now, this wasn't a poor city, but rather it was a pretty prosperous fishing community. So so Andrew and Peter weren't necessarily loaded, but they also weren't hurting that way either, right? It's this this happy medium. Well, Jesus is walking down these shores and he's calling them. But here's the thing. There is a difference between a Galilean and those from Jerusalem. There's a social difference. And these guys were fishermen, man. They were hard working. They were tradesmen. And some may be asking and some often ask, why would Jesus go to these men specifically? Why would he go to the fishermen, these Galileans, and why not go and get the best and the brightest of the local synagogue? Why would he not go to those people? Why would he not go to the ones who know the most or speak the best? Why would he not go to those people? Why would he go to the fishermen? Why would he go to these people? Well, it reminds me of the story. It reminds me of the time when the Lord sent Samuel out to go find the new king of Israel. And he goes to the, to the sons of Jesse and he sees one of the elder sons and he said, surely, he sees his stature. He says, surely, this has got to be the new king of Israel. But this is what the Lord said to him. He said, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord looks on the outward, the man see, looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, in this case, and and truthfully in the case of of Peter and Andrew, and for the rest of the disciples for that matter, the Lord looks at things differently than we do. 
We like to look at, at accolades. We like to look at their successes, their potential. We like to look at their stature. We like to look at all these things that we deem important because society has taught us that they are important. The Lord looks at things differently and praise the Lord that he does, right? He's going to these fishermen. He's going to the shores and he's finding these young men who are willing to follow him. And so whenever Jesus does say, come and follow me. That would have immediately said something to these two young men. It would, it would have registered something. R.T. Francis says this about it. He says, follow me would immediately suggest the disciples of a rabbi. Who literally followed him around to absorb his Teaching. So the Greek word that Jesus would use here literally translates to come behind me. Come see what I do. Come listen to what I have to say. Just like any good rabbi student relationship, right? Come behind me. Look and learn at all that I'm going to do. But there's more to the story. There's a little bit more. R.T. Francis also finishes up this thought when he says this. A good teacher would be expected to have a group of such followers. But Jesus calls his disciples not only to listen and learn. But to take part. Take an active part as fishers of men. So it wasn't, it wasn't only just important for them to, to look and learn. But there was a pointed end to the objective here. It's for them to take part in making disciples and being fishers of men. So Jesus is walking along these coasts and he's speaking in their language. He's talking to the fishermen. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. And immediately, it says in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. It's a beautiful step of obedience on Andrew and and Peter's part, right? They left their nets where they lay and they took off and followed Jesus. Now, this is not the first time that they had met Jesus. And John, John the beloved, John the disciple, speaks on the testimony of John the Baptist in John chapter 1. And this is what he says. The next day, in verse 35, the next day again, John, John the Baptist, was standing with his two disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and he said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day where it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Peter and Andrew both meet Jesus. Andrew, a disciple of John the Baptist. John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, follow him, right? And so he goes, and what he does when he realizes this is the Messiah, he goes and grabs his brother Peter and he brings him with him. So they have met Jesus. They know that Jesus is the Messiah, but they go back to their earthly trade. They go back to the, the boats, right? They're going back to, to go fishing. And all of a sudden, while they are working, 
They're doing their normal job, their normal everyday job. They look to the shore and all of a sudden they see Jesus, the Messiah, who they know to be the Messiah, go like this. Follow me. Come behind me. And immediately they drop their things and they go. They drop their things and they go. They know that this is the Messiah. So it's full out obedience. Full out living sacrifice. It begs the question for us. How often is this true of us? That we would just drop our things and go when the Lord commands us to do something from his word. When the Lord opens the door for us to step out in faith, how often are we just drop our things and do we go? Maybe we can learn a thing or two from these two men. When the Lord says go, we got to go. Full out obedience. Then he's not done yet. He keeps going. Verse 21 and going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother. In the boat with Zebedee, their father. I think Zebedee is a great name. So for those who may have a child on the way, Zebedee, why don't you just consider it? Okay, Zebedee is a great name. They were mending their nets and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So not only is Jesus walking down this coastline seeing one pair of brothers saying, come with me. He's keep going and he gets another pair of brothers and says, follow me too. And they just keep following him. He says, follow me. And immediately they drop their things and they go. It's this marvelous sight. Marvelous sight because remember, Jesus isn't going to the local synagogue, to the best and brightest students of the Torah. He's not going to them. He's going to the Galileans. He's going to the social outcasts. He's going to the fishermen who probably stink. You know what I'm saying? He's going to those people. That's huge news. It's, it's huge news because that means, that means everything. He chooses precisely who he means to. Just like Peter, just like Andrew, just like James and John. He's finding those people who, who are willing to follow him, not to tell him everything that they know. He's going to those people. He's going to those people across the tracks, as we used to say. He's going to those people. And it's huge news for us. And you may be thinking, how is this big news? How is this huge news? Well, for this instance... In many instances, for this matter, and oftentimes, the Lord uses the seemingly insignificant for his most significant purpose. That's big news. The Lord uses the seemingly insignificant for his most significant purpose. So here's something, here's a truth that you need to hear, and you may need to memorize this. When it comes to people, there is no such thing as insignificant. When it comes to people, when it comes to individuals who are made in the image of the most holy God, there's no such thing as insignificant. There's no such thing as those Galileans and then those students, right? No, there's no such thing. Why? Because you've been made in the image of God. See, here's the thing. These disciples, these young men in this passage alone that Jesus called, these were the very young men, the very disciples, these fishermen, who set out to make disciples of all the nations. Three of these people ultimately gave their lives, a life of suffering, a life of persecution and martyrdom for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And John, the other, he lived to be an old man, but he saw his fair share of suffering and persecution. That dude got boiled alive. And then he was banished. 
He saw his fair share. All for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was those men who gave their lives for the gospel. Those men. It was those young men. Those young fishermen. That set out to make disciples. And that by the grace and the sovereignty of the Lord. We hear it today. Those men. Those fishermen. And see, there's nothing insignificant about these men. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they know, where they're from, or what they've ever done or will do. There's nothing insignificant about them. I don't care what you do, where you're from, what you know or what you will do. There's nothing insignificant about you. Nothing. Nothing insignificant about you. Why? Because again, you have been made in the image of the most holy God and Christ died for you 2,000 years ago on a cross. When Christ sees you, he doesn't see insignificance. He sees you as his creation that he most passionately loves, that he would offer up his life for you so that you could, he could live his life through you and so that you could have life in him. That's a love that we may never understand, but it is a love so true that we can all believe. There's nothing insignificant about you. Why? Because God says so. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That these men, these fishermen, be used mightily by God. See, here's the, here's the passage. Here's the picture of our entire passage this morning. From the calling of the disciples. And something that we can apply to our lives right now and that we need to understand is that Jesus is still calling. Jesus is still calling. He's calling his people to repentance. He's calling people to trust in him. He's calling people to follow him and make disciples, right? He is still calling. He's going to keep on calling. And listen this morning. You may be the one that he is calling. It may be you. And if so, follow the example of the disciples and drop your things. Follow him. Follow him. He calls us all. He calls us all to know him. He calls us all to follow him, just like he did the first disciples. And that's a, that's a beautiful truth today that he is still calling. So for the remainder of our time, I want to show you three major purposes of following Jesus and how that is fleshed out. OK, so for the remainder of our time, these three purposes for help us seek to be better followers, quicker followers and sacrificial Followers of Christ. Number one, the first purpose of following Jesus is to be with him. Be with him. Jesus calls on his disciples saying, come follow me. Come behind me, right? Come do what I do. Come see what I do. Come behind me. As a matter of fact, Mark records in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, he says this. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach. I'm going to say that again. All right. In case I wasn't clear. So that they might be with him and that he might send them out. That's the whole purpose. He wanted them to be 
with him. That was his desire, was to be with him, to learn from him, but also to be sent by him. But the truth of the matter is we have to be with him first. We have to be with him. Now, these guys, these guys had a leg up on us. It seems like that, at least. They got to walk with Jesus. They got to talk with Jesus. They got to dine with Jesus. They got to see all of those things that we read about in person, right? They got to see all of those things. But that doesn't make it any less true that we can be with him now. We, when we are with him, when we go to him in prayer, we are with him for those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside them. He is with you. Right. So we can be with Jesus. We can and we are with Jesus. And he's called us to be with him, to abide in him. To rest in him. To be with him. The second purpose of following Jesus. Is to be like him. Be like him. With all that we are. Striving to be more and more like Jesus every day day. When we read the Gospels and we see how Jesus spoke, we should speak the way Jesus spoke. When we see how Jesus loves those around him, we should seek to love people around us. When we see how intentional Jesus was with everything that he did and everyone he was around to point them to himself, we should also be intentional with everything that we do and everyone we are with to point people to him. Everything that Jesus did, we should replicate. Every single thing. When we follow Jesus, we do not get a pass to do as we please. We don't get that pass. Because more times than not, we are still wrestling and still dealing with a sinful nature, right? We don't get a pass on loving people. We don't get a pass on having character. And we don't get a pass in dwelling with him. No. When it comes to to obedience and it comes to being like him, we have to wholeheartedly surrender to be more like Jesus. When I was 16 years old, I was away at a student camp in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It was an awesome camp. Man, it was, it was this great moment. People were getting saved. It felt like every single night the Lord was really doing a great work in this camp. And one night in particular... There was an altar call. And at this altar call, man, it seemed like this entire place was flooded with people giving their life to Christ. It was awesome. Man, we were praying. It was a great moment. But then something rather unexpected happened. There was another call right after this first altar call. And it was a call to surrender into ministry for those who were wrestling with that. And truthfully, there was a whole lot of tension in my heart about that. My dad is a pastor, and I saw what he had to deal with. I didn't want nothing to do with that. I saw the toil that it took on him. I said, no, nah, I ain't doing nothing. I ain't doing none of that. But there was this tension because I already felt that the Lord was calling me to do that. I was just reluctant to do it. I really didn't want to do it. But that night, even though it was rather reluctantly, I dropped my things, and I surrendered into ministry. 16 years old, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And during that time, the Lord started just softening my heart and restoring some joy in my heart. And it was this it was this weird like little transformation. Like this is the first time I'm actually being obedient to what I'm called to do. And now the Lord is starting to fill me with joy. And I started to become over the moon. It was that quick. So I said, oh, man, I got to call my dad. 
And so I hop on the phone and I call my dad. I'm like, dad, 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 I just surrendered to ministry. How awesome is that? I'm going to be just like you. And my dad said, yeah, man, um, you have no business being in ministry if you don't love people. And then it hangs up the phone. I was like, bro, what? I thought I was expecting like, oh, we're so proud of you. I can't believe it. We knew it all along. We were just letting you figure that out. That's what I was expecting. Like, we're proud of you. No, I didn't get none of that. He wanted me to know what ministry was all about. Yes, it was a total buzzkill for the moment. But I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. Every single person who is coming on our launch team, this is the very same story that I've shared with them. When it comes to ministry, I don't get a pass on loving people, and I will not give a pass on loving people. I told Jake, and I told Alexander, and I told Brooke, listen, there's all of these things. I may not ever be the best preacher. I promise I'm going to try. I may never be the best preacher. But there's one thing I can promise you, and that is to love you. That may be all I can ever give you, but sometimes that's all you need. We don't get a pass to do it as we please. We don't get a pass on loving people. If Jesus loves those people, we got to love those people. And sometimes people are hard to love, but you're hard to love sometimes. I'm hard to love sometimes. If Jesus still loves you, we don't get a pass. We don't get a pass to do that. And my dad told me straight up, 16 years old, rock my world. We don't get a pass. When we follow Jesus, we leave our past failures behind. We leave our past worldly pleasures behind, our excuses to sin behind. And we drop everything to be more like him. When he called his first disciples to come behind me, to learn from him, they got to see everything in action, right? They got to see it right there in front of them. And I'm sure it was out of this world. Let me share with you a truth. We have this. What they had to see in the moment, we get to go to at any point in our day. They, we get to read of the marvelous things that they saw of our Savior at any point in our day. This is an act of God's grace. Right here. Never take this for granted. Because we get to see and we get to read all that Christ has done at any point in our day. If we want to be like him, then we've got to stay right here. Always abiding in him, being with him in prayer and dwelling in his word. And then lastly, Piper said it's time to wrap up. Do like him. We got to do what Jesus did. We have to do what he did. What did he do? He loved. So let's love. Jesus prayed. So let's pray. I know I'm blowing your mind right now with this deep theological truths. Jesus was hospitable. So let's be hospitable, right? Let's just do what Jesus did. Simple enough, right? Let's take our passage. What was Jesus doing when he was calling on Andrew, Peter, James, and John? What was he doing? He was calling them to be his what? Disciples. Jesus made disciples. So what should we do? I'm waiting. Thank you. Real quickly, we have to make disciples. We don't get a pass on that either. If Jesus did it and he gave everything, 
for these men. We have to do the same thing. I know, I know it ain't just Florence, and I know it's not Oaks, and I know you guys do it too. Every single service, at the end of the service, what do we read? What do we say together? We say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you. Jesus taught them everything. He, they saw what he did. They learned from what he said. And they helped every, every single aspect of Jesus' life. He replicated onto these young men. We have to do the same. See, the Lord has taught us and is still teaching us. And we still have to follow him every single day in doing what he did. Teaching others all that he has commanded us to do. See, our mission as, as a network is to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus, right? But you first have to be a disciple maker to see disciples made. You got to be intentional. If Jesus is calling you to do that because he did it verbatim, we have to take that serious. We have to drop everything and we have to follow him to make disciples. And if he did it, we have to do it too. And you may be like, man, well, I don't really know much. That's okay. Teach what you do know and grow together. We do this together. We are in this together, growing together, making disciples together. As a church, as the Well Church Huntsville, you are doing this together. And if he did it, we have to do it too. We have to drop our things and we have to follow after him, the truth of the matter, he's still calling and he will continue to call. Our responsibility is to drop our things and follow him. Maybe this morning. You're the one he's calling. Maybe you're here this morning and he may be calling you into ministry. You've been wrestling with it a long time. There's this tension. You're reluctant to, to, to surrender to that. Maybe you're here. Maybe you need to have a conversation. Maybe you need to go grab Ethan, Christian, or anyone else in the staff and, and say, hey, I need, I need to talk about this. Maybe you're really fearful of stepping out in faith into this ministry. Now, I'm going to tell you, just like my dad told me, you ain't got no business if you don't love people. Ministry is about people. Loving people, caring for people, shepherding people, sending people, equipping people. It's about people. It's not just this glamour show of large crowds and conferences, okay? That's not ministry. Ministry is about hard-fought battles of hardships, of victories, of anxiety. It's hard, but maybe you're the one he's calling into ministry. If so, drop your things and follow him. Go to Ethan, go to Christian, go to anyone on the staff and talk to them. Let them help you take the first step. Maybe you're here and the Lord is calling you to go serve in another city or in another country. To go live on mission. Maybe you need to, you need to start the process of being a journeyman with the International Mission Board or the North American Mission Board. Maybe you need to spend your summer in Jensen. Maybe you need to go to Boston. Maybe you need to go to another city. Maybe you need to step out in faith. Go to another staff member. Help them. Uh, go to Matthew. I know he's a mobilizer. Go to, the, go to these guys. Help them take the next step. You got to drop your things. If he's calling you to do that, if the door is open, you got to step through in obedience. 
and follow him. And let me just blow your mind real quick. This is just a real quick pitch, okay? We as a network are planting 16 churches in university cities across the southeast. That's a lot. And we need people. Maybe you're here and the Lord is calling you to go help plant one of those churches. Maybe you're about to graduate and you got to get a job because mom and dad said you got to get a job, right? Go get a job in one of those cities and help them plant that church. We need people. We need you guys. We cannot do this alone. So maybe if the Lord is calling you to do that, you drop your things and you need to have a conversation. I ain't saying you're going to Jacksonville, but we may need to have a conversation. Or any of these other churches that we plant. You have to live your life with this missional lens to see where the Lord can use you. Follow Him. Maybe, maybe this morning, you're the one He's calling to Himself for salvation. Maybe you feel this pull at your heart. Maybe you have to drop your fears, drop your sin. Drop your burdens on him and trust him. Maybe you need to drop everything and follow him. We know this to be true of our Savior, that he is faithful and just to forgive. And that he will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the gospel of Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he would step down from his throne in heaven, live a sinless life, die sacrificially, rise triumphantly and ascend gloriously. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. And he's drawing people to himself. He's calling out to people, come follow me, come be with me. And maybe you are here right now and he's calling you. If so, learn from the examples of the disciples and drop your things and follow him. Because our lives truly, truly, our lives do not begin until they are in Christ. Until they are in Christ. And that life is eternal. Jesus is still calling. He is still calling today and he will continue to call. Our responsibility is to follow him. So church, follow Christ, whatever that looks like in your season of life, if that is for salvation, if that is for mission or ministry, follow him. No matter the cost. Follow Christ. Let's pray together.